All right. Now, before I knew faith, I knew Christmas. I knew Christmas carols. I, I didn't know all of what they were about, but there was something there that drew me. And I know that this season is an emotional time for many of us. Those of us who have lost loved ones, I, I want to acknowledge that it's a meaningful, but it's a painful time. And we are not unaware of the difficulty, and more importantly, God is not unaware of the difficulty in this season. And we want you to know that we stand with you, love you, and there is still the reason to rejoice and celebrate. And that's what we want to do here this morning. As many of you know, we have been going through what we call the Advent Conspiracy. And what the Advent Conspiracy is has been a, a series that marks this event, Christ's birth, and wanting to make that event something that is still meaningful in the world today. And so we've been challenging ourselves to not get caught up into the giving and the commercialism of Christmas, but to, instead of giving everything away, maybe give one less gift. And with the money we save, we are going to give towards a cause that will be eventful. We gave, was it 50 gifts away to the Healthy Start? Was that how many gifts? 70? 70 gifts. So, yeah, you guys, 70 gifts were given to the families at Healthy Start for the children there. And we've been taking money towards Haiti to build a cafeteria at the St. Andre School there in Maribule. And we've talked about that. And we've been letting you guys know ongoing what we're doing. Uh, a few months back, Jeannot came from Haiti, the one who oversees the school, and he said it was going to cost $20,000 to raise the funds to build the school or the cafeteria. I'm, school is next, okay? <laughs> to build a cafeteria, $20,000 that would be able to facilitate the school there and allow that school to then be useful for the community. And I wanted to let you know that as of right now, we've raised over $14,500. That's right, us little genocites, you know. I mean, got to be careful how you say genocide because it sounds... Anyway, you guys, that's what we can do together. So we're almost there. We go in February. It would be great for when we go in February. And if you're interested in going, see Denise because you have to get your flights and she'll give you the information there and back. But when we go in February, I'd love to be able to have hand Jeno you know, a check for the full $20,000 and say, build the cafeteria with love from Genesis. And it's, again, allowing this season to mean more than just getting gifts or going shopping. It is about giving of things that are important to people who are in need. It's about continuing this message of hope and good news. You, you know, when I was young, I remember Christmas time being so caught up with all the lights and all the decorations and, and watching all the TV shows, watching Charlie Brown Christmas. And I sat there in the, the glow of that little 17-inch television 
And it was big back then, right? And it was color. We were, yeah, we were happening. And I can remember watching that. And then when the theologian Linus came out and he told Charlie Brown the meaning of Christmas, I can remember hearing that even as a young boy and just not fully understanding but being captured by those words about this child is being born. And that's what we're going to look at today. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, turn to Luke chapter 2. And we've been going through this passage a lot because it's Christmas. That's one of the passages that talks about the birth of Christ. And so in Luke chapter 2, Verse 1, it says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. In this amazing story, this amazing account, this supernatural event that takes place, it it starts in the most natural way. It starts with this census that was taken. And it's so strange. I mean, it doesn't seem that this would be how you would start this amazing story that there was, in the days of Caesar Augustus, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Then 
to get a little bit more information, it goes on and says, this was the first census, just so you knew which census it was. Is there anything more exciting than a census? That's supposed to be funny. No, okay, I mean, there, there's nothing exciting in a census. There, there's nothing remarkable in this. In fact, what we see is something that supernaturally takes place starts in what is just so secular, so common, so every day. And what we see taking place is really astounding because we know from the scriptures that this Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. And so there is need for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. But as the story goes, Joseph is not living in Bethlehem. He's over in Nazareth in Galilee, a different region. Now, wherever Jesus is going to be born, Mary is going to be there because that's how pregnancy works. Okay? But Joseph, well, Joseph's a free will agent in this whole thing. And, and if you remember in Matthew's gospel in chapter 1, when Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant, and imagine that conversation, okay? If you're a guy and the woman who you're betrothed to, you're engaged to, comes up and says, I'm pregnant. And the awkward pause after, whose is it? And she says, well, the Lord has come to me and I am going to conceive by the Holy Spirit. Guys, would you be like, oh, okay, cool. glad we answered that. <laughs> Joseph, not wanting to shame Mary, was going to di divorce her, but he wasn't going to do it publicly. But he thought, I, I can't go through with this. And it says that an angel appeared to him and convinced him. And I'm cool with that. In fact, I like that because I would need an angel to appear to me and convince me, okay? Not that I don't trust you, honey, but I need some reassurance. And so Joseph then has an angel appear to him and he says, okay, I'm not going to put her away. I'm going to stay with her. And, and so these are all the things that are taking place behind the scenes. God is saying, okay, I, I, the Messiah is going to be born here. And I said that, okay, I've got Joseph with me, but Joseph doesn't know the scripture. He doesn't know things like the Jewish leaders, whether he knows the Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem or not. He's living in Nazareth. That's where he's working probably. That's where his family is. And so how does he get from there to Bethlehem and to the scene, Caesar Augustus? And you hear God whispering into an emperor's ear. You know what? You should find out how powerful you are and you could use some more money. Why don't you take a census? And Caesar Augustus goes, yeah, that's a good idea. You parents know how when your kids are little, before they catch on, how you can say things to get them to do things, whether it's reverse psychology or telling them that, you know, well, your cousin, they're going to be there. Oh, really? Well, I like my cousin. Okay, I'll go. And then maybe they show up or not. You know, you, 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 you tell them, hey, yeah, they like this. Oh, they do? Yeah. 
your, your cousin loves peas. You know, they eat them all the time. And so you, you whisper something in your kid's ear to try and get them to say, oh, okay. Can you imagine? I mean, God can do that. And so God whispers into the emperor's ear and we see through this event that God is orchestrating all of history for this moment to take place. That kings, kingdoms, empires are just clay in his hands for this event that he is orchestrating, for this time to take place. And if you can really grasp hold of it, that this event that is taking place is taking place for you and for me. That this event in history is very intentional by God for us. Very personal to us. And so Caesar says, hey, I want to do a census. Just had this idea. I don't know where it came from. It's a great idea. We're going to take a census. And what the census requires is for those people to go back to that place where they born. Well, guess what? Joseph was born in Bethlehem. That's where he grew up in the town of David. And so he now has to get back to to the town of David, to Bethlehem. And so we see this journey as he's heading back there. And it seems like just ordinary things. In fact, it probably doesn't sound like a good road trip. I mean, Mary has the baby when she gets there in Bethlehem. So she's got to be in her third trimester while she's on a donkey going to Bethlehem. Okay, ladies, I want you to think about that, though, if you've had children. Okay, and husbands, you know how rough that third trimester is for us. (laughs) They take up the whole bed. You're like holding on to the end. They keep tossing and turning, getting up, having to go to the bathroom. I know it's hard on you ladies too, but man, (laughs) things we have to go through. And so imagine journeying in this last stage of her pregnancy on a donkey. You know, sometimes I think we think that God should be concerned with our comfort. And what this situation shows us is that, you know, maybe God is willing to inconvenience us so that we can actually have an encounter with him. And maybe God isn't as interested in our comfort as he is in our purpose. And maybe the the safety or the security that we are looking for isn't as important to him as our significance. And so God is wanting to do something monumental but it's taking them through a difficult time. I don't think Joseph was saying, oh, this is very good. God is at work here. I don't think Mary was saying, oh boy, a road trip to Bethlehem on a donkey while I'm pregnant. I don't think that was going on in their mind. It wouldn't be going on in my mind, okay? I would be thinking, God, are you serious? I said yes, I'm staying with her, I'm with you on this, but can we at least get 
some help here? Why do we have to travel here? Couldn't you do something about this Caesar in the census so that we wouldn't have to be traveling at this point? And God's over there going, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. And then they get there and there is no room in the place, the inn. And so they're staying in a barn. And I know I've heard stories about, you know, well, it's probably better in the stable than it is in the inn because the inns were dirty. Have you ever been in the stable? They're not actually clean, you know. That's where the animals are. People don't take care of the stables better than the inns. And so they get there, and then I'd be like, are you serious? My wife's pregnant. God, you have me here, and there's no room and we're in the barn. God, can you cut us some slack? And maybe your life is in that situation where things are difficult for you, and you're struggling, and you're wondering, God, where are you? What's going on? Well, maybe this story can help you see that sometimes the most amazing things are happening, and you're not even aware of it. That right now, God is moving all of history for this moment But the world is unaware. Joseph and Mary probably have no idea of all that's happening. In fact, we see later on that as the shepherds come, Mary treasures this in her heart. Why? Because she needs something to treasure in her heart. And so sometimes the most miraculous things start and take place in the most ordinary ways. And God is working in the natural to accomplish the supernatural. And he's doing it here and he's doing it through this group. And then some of the cast members in this scene here, shepherds. Who are the shepherds? They're not the people who are involved religiously. They're not the priests. They're not the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the the scribes, the teachers of the law. They're not the people who would know the scriptures and know all about what's happening. And it's amazing to me that God goes past all those people, past the leaders, past the rulers, past the emperors, past the priests, and goes to the shepherds and lets them in on what is taking place. Can you imagine those people, those priests later on looking back and saying, why did he go to them? And I think many times God will go over those who think themselves deserving to get to the people who are willing. And so these people who think they know what everything's about, God skips them and goes to those people who just want to know what it's about. And so he appears to the shepherd. And we talked about last week, he says, I'm going to show you a sign, a baby. Again, a natural thing. What's so significant about a baby? I've got a baby. What's, you know, show me the sign. But he says, no, there's something special here. And so he tells them about this child and we see the event and how amazing that it is that God reveals himself to these people. God is at work in the middle of all this. He shows up 
Can you imagine the people who are staying at the inn that are there? What is that? Is that a baby crying? Oh, man, that's going to ruin my night's sleep. Unaware that history is changing at this moment. Unaware that God is present and at work in a way that is astounding. Unaware that God has become man and is now with us. I wonder sometimes if we can be so unaware that God is at work. We, we get so caught up in the things that we're doing. Oh, there, there's the census we got to take care of. There's the job. We've got the things that we have to do. Oh, man, that kid, it's crying. It's annoying me. Something's going on. And God is trying to work, but we are just not looking. We are not listening. We are not aware. It's not because he's not there. It's not because he isn't working He was doing something amazing. But most of the world had no idea. And we know he was speaking. Because later on, the wise men, the magi from Persia would come along. They were listening. They said, something's happening. And they came some years later. But they heard and probably started their journey on a night like this one. God's doing something. Do you see that star? What does that mean? God's doing something still. Do you hear his voice? Do you see the signs? Maybe in that inconvenience of your life, God is pulling you. Maybe the inconvenience of getting up and coming here this morning for your family or something like, oh God, maybe maybe something else is taking place. Maybe the inconvenience that's taking place. Maybe the stirring that's going on. Maybe it's God speaking and telling you, you have purpose for me. I intentionally brought this day about for you. I am at work on your behalf. Can you see it? Do you know what's happening? And so... God will get us to the right place and to the right time if we want to be a part of his purpose, if we are open to the things that he wants us to do. Joseph was open, and God took him to where he needed to be. And so here we are this morning celebrating this event that that took place so long ago, and we want to make sure that we too aren't like the priests that were overlooked. We want to make sure that we're not like the people who were just maybe a few hundred feet away in the inn who had no idea what was taking place. We don't want to be the people that God passes over. We want to be the people, the shepherds who are in the field, who are watching, who are observant, who actually are interested, who actually care, because it seems that that's who God reveals himself to. And I can't think of a greater tragedy than to celebrate Christmas and to not know Jesus. I think angels would be baffled to hear us be singing these Christmas carols and not have an understanding of what they mean. I think it would be tragic for the greatest event that has happened 
to be bypassed because we weren't aware. And God has moved in history for a purpose. His intention was for you and for me. His intention was that he created you. And we need to recognize these things that he has done and that he wants us to be a part of that work that he is doing. As the shepherds went, they were amazed at the things that they said to everyone. And it says that Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary knew that God had visited her. But now it was spreading. God had revealed himself also to Joseph. But now the circle is getting bigger. The shepherds know. Later on, the world will know. And so the, the purpose for this morning is for us to know. For us to recognize what took place and why it took place. That it took place for you, it took place for me. That God is with us. That God is at work that we are not abandoned in history, that we are not alone. And in the midst of your life, in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of the discomfort and things that we all go through, God wants you to see that he's there. God wants to show up and make himself known. He is at work. Will we see it? And I hope we will. You know, the purpose for us doing this Christmas service and having Alex, the DJ, and doing the money for Haiti and having the, the band out here and even the baby dedication is to let us know that life is happening, that God is at work, that there is reason to celebrate, that this day that we stop and pause is a day where we tune our ears to hear, where we adjust our glasses and want to see what God is doing and ask ourselves, am I a part of this story? Am I one of the shepherds who have heard and am I going to go and am I going to respond? That's the challenge because again, it would be a tragedy to celebrate Christmas and not know Jesus. And I pray that's not the case. Let, let's pray together. Lord, I remember all those years ago when I was just a child and I was intrigued and I was curious and I heard the story and didn't fully understand, but I was drawn. I wanted to be involved with something of purpose. And Lord, even though I was unaware that you were calling me to something very purposeful, that you were calling me to have a life of significance. Lord, even though things sometimes seem so ordinary, so mundane, Lord, it was in a time just like that 
that you changed the world. And Lord, we pray that you would change our world, the internal world within us, Lord, that we would come to a place where we would be able to see, that we would hear the voice just like the shepherds, that you would give us that good news, that you have come for us. As everyone's praying, I want to ask something of you. If you are here this morning and you want to be a part of this story, you want to hear the voice of God, or maybe you do hear the voice of God and you're wanting to know how to respond. In the back table there, we have these little cards. They're welcome cards. I'd love for you to put your name down, what information it asks you if this is the first time if you've made a commitment to Christ, if you would like someone to, to give you a call because we'd love to be in touch with you. If you are deciding, you know what, I want to find out more about Jesus. I, I hear that voice. I hear that drawing and I would like to know more. Put your name down so that we can talk or you can come up to me afterwards and talk. I'd love to talk with you guys. But that's what this morning is about is so that we can encounter the God who has come for us. And I pray that you would not let this morning go by without allowing that to take place. And so God, whoever is here and is stirring in their heart in that way, I pray that you would stir them to reach out and make contact with us. And more importantly, continue that contact with you. We thank you and celebrate you this morning. We love you, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.